Hello, it is 17th of February 2019 and this is episode 92 of Scavenger's Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis and commentary with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. How's your week in Star Wars been, Rachel? Quite momentous. Because mm-hmm. this is the week that obviously episode nine went in the can. So yeah, like it's quite a big deal because it kind of makes me sit back and realize, wow, this has been a pretty big chunk of my life since 2015. So yeah, like it's a bit surreal knowing that we're really ramping up towards the finale now. It's really exciting, but there's just also this like bittersweet edge to it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because you see this picture and we're just as emotional as the people probably there actually having filmed it and worked on this. Yeah. Which is silly in a way. (laughs) It makes sense. Lots of people get invested in Star Wars. Probably not to the extent that we do because there aren't millions of podcasts out there. There's a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah, there's lots, but I don't think quite millions. It's very exciting though, most of all, I think, just realising that it's a real thing it's out there in a solid form and whatever the story is it's been decided and it's now being patched together in the editing room so that's mm-hmm. quite thrilling to me um and yeah i'm really excited to see the movie i, I know that's a bit feeble sounding because duh, of course you're excited but yeah it just makes it feel real how about you Kirsty? i'm happy because now they're finished it's like we're kind of rolling downhill with all the promo stuff hopefully because i know obviously things won't follow exactly what happened with the force awakens or the last jedi but the title for the force awakens came just a few days after they'd wrapped filming Mm -hmm. yeah um so they've probably got some reshoots planned and little things here and there but they're probably safe to start revealing things a bit more and i think jj showed that with finally posting another photo it's kind of funny that we got one on the first and last days of filming yes um obviously this photo isn't from the actual last day of filming but that's when he posted it so yeah absolutely is there anything else you want to say about the week maybe not everyone knows about it either but it was kind of like a twitter storm that lasted just for a few hours earlier in the week um but there were these weird rumors going around that ryan johnson had left lucasfilm he wasn't going to be working on the new trilogy anymore Mm. Yeah. Um, not quite sure where it started because I don't actually think it did start with those Super Bro movies, guys. I think there was something else swimming around before that. And of course, right. it's been this long-standing rumour because there are lots of people who would like for it to happen who <laughs> yes. weren't enamoured with The Last Jedi. And I or I saw people celebrating after these rumours were spread around, you know. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, which is pretty gross. <laughs> Woohoo, someone's... Well, I don't know whether it was like, oh, that he'd been fired or that he'd decided to leave, but whatever it was, it was not true. And um, both Pablo Hidalgo and Ryan Johnson himself said on Twitter, no, it's not true, I'm still working on it. Um, and there were no hard feelings between him and the guys who'd published the report. He said, it's yeah. okay, like, rumours are what makes fandom fun so that was very gracious of him yeah they did unequivocally apologize as well so yeah it didn't seem that it was like a maliciously meant report from them so i think it's nice that ryan took it in good faith in terms of how he responded obviously there were malicious people who jumped on that report and were jubilant about the prospect of ryan being fired or whatever nonsense but yeah it was nice to see it all put to rest so quickly so literally lasted about two hours my favourite was how Screen Rant posted an article about the rumour and then I think like two minutes after that initial post was put up it was debunked by Ryan so they had to hastily change it and then put out like a retraction of what they just posted. So it's like, Why not just take it down? Yeah, I know, right? Like, Although to be fair, I think it's probably more transparent to leave up what you originally posted. Like if you just remove it, it's like pretending that you never posted it in the first place. And I guess you also lose some of those precious, precious clicks. Well, I think that's the real reason, Yeah, yeah, to be honest. (laughs) I know that's how it works, but it just makes me despair that that's online journalism. Yeah. Journalism. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not very respectful. (laughs) It's like, oh, you're reporting on a rumour, even though you have no extra information and you, you don't know if this is true or not. But you can rinse your hands of it because you can say, oh, well, we were just reporting on what this other rumour said. Yeah. Uh, 
you know <laughs> is that useful yeah it doesn't really help anyone does it <laughs> no it's it's actually harmful it's kind of uh, people don't like look into it personally but if they actually think about it it's like you're all gleefully writing about how this guy might have been fired yeah like this isn't about a star wars theory it's actually someone's real life yeah it's very strange and i've also seen people continue to is- insist that ryan's trilogy will not happen and that he will leave it just not right now and it's like god people really really don't want ryan to do this and yeah it makes me feel bad for him but i'm glad he's still sticking with it yeah i mean i i want to say that like lots of people do want him to do it yes so there's always going to be people who are like not happy about it but i'd like to think that they're in a minority yeah I do think it's a very loud, very salty minority, to be honest, because Ryan has said before that the majority of the feedback he receives is lovely and really positive. So I'm happy that's been his experience. Mm-hmm. Right. And then to move on to the news, um, to announce the wrap of filming, J.J. Abrams blessed us with his second photographic look, at episode nine. And I'm not salty about that at all, clearly. Um but yeah, it's quite a nice photo and it's more than I was expecting. It's certainly more than the photo he launched filming with um, because it's Ray, Finn and Poe or really Daisy Ridley, John Boyega and Oscar Isaac because I really doubt this is an actual scene from the film. It's probably just between takes or something. Um, and they're all hugging and Oscar in particular is looking really emotional. John is looking very photogenic and wistfully staring off into the distance and we can't see Daisy's face at all, but we can see her hair, which is possibly more important. So, <laughs> yeah. What's your micro-analysis of this image, Kirsty? Um, well, they're obviously not at Pinewood. Mm-hmm. So this is from what I would presume is act two of the film, based yes. on the vague chronology of how they've been shooting it in Jordan, Wadi Rum. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the three of them, so Kelly isn't there. So I might take a guess that this means that Rose is not involved in that strand of the plot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. And yeah, not much else to say. Like Oscar looks very emotional, but they're actors, <laughs> so yeah, they're good at performing. You'd like to think so, anyway. Yeah, they're obviously not in character. Yeah, like I wouldn't have thought so. It doesn't. Cause I really don't think that JJ would share a, like a still from the movie. Yeah, it's probably them as actors. Like, cause I there was something big that happened during the shooting because after they'd wrapped that section of it, John was posting on Instagram. Like, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he was implying that they'd like done something really big with a story that day. Right. Okay. Yeah. So didn't they have like a kind of mini rap party in Jordan? Yeah, because I think it was a pretty big shoot. Yeah, no, it was significant. Um, according to the helpful chronology I have assembled just for reasons, uh, they were shooting in Jordan like early October and they were there for a couple of weeks. So probably a good amount of October. So I would guess that this image is from around that time, which, yeah, would fit with it being second act approximately. It wouldn't surprise me like early second act as well. Although, for all we know, Jordan might take up the bulk of that act because, yeah, we're just playing a guessing game at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, we can clearly see that all three of those characters are going to be involved, which is nice because we've never really had a scene where all three of them are participating. We've had, like, scenes where all three of them are present, but they haven't all interacted with each other at once. And I think that's definitely going to change nine, which will be cool because, yeah, it'll be nice to see that dynamic going on. And I want to see like Finn be the epicenter of that because Finn has a close relationship with Ray and he also has a close relationship with Poe. So I'd like to see how all the characters interface with each other. Mm-hmm. And the costume details here seem to confirm what we got with the leaks last week. Yes. I know some people were doubting whether those were legit or whether they'd been photoshopped or something, but there's the stuff here like Ray's arm cuff. Um, obviously, we'd had a look at Oscar's costume before yes. in the photos when they were just starting filming. Mm-hmm. But Ray's looks pretty close to the real thing. And she looks like she's got her staff back. Yes, it does. You can just see that poking out from the edge. So I really like that she's holding on to that because it would be easy to think, ah, she doesn't need that anymore now. She has a lightsaber. But 
I presume that kind of feels like an extension of her arm as far as she's concerned because she's probably been using that since childhood and especially when you're navigating a desert environment it would make a lot of sense to have it it would just be practical so mm-hmm. yeah it makes a lot of sense and I love what they've done for her hair it's very close to how it was in The Force Awakens but it feels more sophisticated it's not just yeah. these three little blobs poking out yeah what's your hair verdict Kirsty? yeah I'm the same way it's like a nice evolution of it that it's it's different but also obviously in keeping with her style yes um because it's like one long ponytail that's been sectioned rather than the buns being distinct mm-hmm. so i think in a way this might actually be easier for cosplayers to do <laughs> but yeah we'll see no i presume it's kind of like pinned to the main part of her hair or something but i'm freaking useless with my hair so i really can't comment at all um but yeah it looks great and it really suits her and yeah, perhaps the most intriguing aspect of Ray's costume here is that arm cuff because it's covering that suspicious scar she happens to have got in the throne room fight when she was partnering up with old Kylo Ren. So what would you read into that, Kirsty, if anything? Well, no one else knows what happened there. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I would be surprised if Ray voluntarily divulged that information because it opens a real can of worms. Like, well, how did you get there? And what like kylo ren killed his master for you and all this like Mm. it would probably be quite hard for her to explain that yes um and the fact that she's got like the shorter arm wraps than what she used to have because they only go to below the elbow whereas they used to go up all the way up her arm yeah i think it's it's you know accentuating that point that this is a conscious costume choice um it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to play into the actual story but I'd like to think that it would, that there would be a moment, even like privately, that Ray is like addressing that. Yeah. Um, just to kind of acknowledge that that's there and it's something that she's kind of carrying with her. Yeah. No, I'd really love that. Like my dream scenario is to have a situation where Kylo takes it off for her. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> yeah, I, it could happen. Because obviously we can see in The Last Jedi that there's some gratuitous stuff going on. But yes, I think she could probably manage to take her arms off, <laughs> off by herself. <laughs> Simple as that. Sorry, I'm going to stop. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Ray's a big girl. She can take on bands on and off quite well. So. <laughs> she obviously put it there. So. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, some kind of reflection on the armband basically would be appreciated. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then just to read it off, we have a nice comment from JJ attached to that photo. It feels impossible, but today wrapped photography on episode nine, and just for the sake of clarity, today um, was the 15th of February 2019, so an immortal day. And then JJ continues, there is no adequate way to thank this truly magical crew and cast. I'm forever indebted to you all. So it's really sweet. It was lovely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there were lots of tweets from the various people involved. So we also have tweets from Vic Mahoney, the second unit director, and John Boyega, who's obviously Finn. Uh, Would you like to read out what they said, Kirsty? Sure. So this is Vic Mahoney's. To end a gig with hope, health, wonderment, unity, joy, integrity, and awe of storytelling intact. To the dreamers, I can confirm we gave our all. She has a lovely way of writing. She really does. Like, it's so, like, positive all the time, but in, like, a way that mm-hmm. feels really sincere. So, yeah, I like reading her stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, John Boyega's, that's a wrap on Star Wars Episode Nine and the end to a chapter of my life that I couldn't be more thankful for. What a process. It really has been a joy to be in these movies surrounded by amazing people. JJ, thank you for making my dreams come true. Yeah. And he shared the same photo, I think, so... Right, and then there were two interesting posts to come out on the Friday, and they basically gave us the first indications that filming was indeed wrapping on that day. So they were posts from Daisy's like hair and makeup person, Flora Moody, and then Adam's makeup artist, whose handle I won't read out because she posted something and then removed it. So <laughs> I don't want to send any more attention this poor woman's way um, because yeah, she probably just wants to forget that it was ever posted publicly. Um, but yeah, they basically both posted saying that it was their final days. So 
we can basically surmise from that that Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver were both filming on the final day, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, did John indicate if he was filming on that Friday as well, Kirsty? Do you know? I'm not actually sure. Like, he said it's a wrap, but I don't think he said whether that was to him personally or just that's the last day of filming, so it's safe for them to say that now. Yeah. No, so it seems that Adam and Daisy were definitely there to the very end, and everyone else, we can't really be sure. Um, But the most interesting thing is that Adam's makeup artist posted an image from, like, what seems to be the dressing room, complete with the makeup palette, and, yeah, just various, like, bits and pieces strewn across her desk. And she added the caption, Alas, my days of the dark side are over. Mr. Driver, you've been a dream. Yeah, it's a bit much, but appreciated. No, he would be a great face to do makeup for, I think. Yeah, no, he would be. It must have been a lot of fun. He's so striking. Um, Yeah, and would you like to give people a little introduction to some of the theories and speculation that have abounded based on the image put up by the makeup artist, Kirsty? Yeah, so basically the palette that she's shown has used a lot of the reds and yellows, mm-hmm. um, which are obviously what you would use to show like blood, bruising, um, which is not too surprising because we know that Kylo is going to get hurt at some point. <laughs> you know, even even <laughs> if he were to stay on the dark side forever, which we don't think he will. Yeah. He'll, he in that case he would have to be defeated by the good guys right so yeah but if if he chooses to redeem himself it has to be some level of like self-sacrifice and putting himself in danger to save other people maybe so what whatever it is it's like we knew that he was gonna get kind of beaten up yeah he's got to suffer basically <laughs> it'll look great yeah i think it's also just worth mentioning that there's so much we don't know about something like this because we've seen it without context and for all we know, this is the makeup palette that's been used throughout the entire shoot. And that's a whole shoot's worth of blood. Oh, I would expect it to be. Yeah. Like, that would be a crazy amount just for one day. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they have to reapply after takes. I mean, I'm not sure how that works. but Yeah, they do have to reapply over takes. So I But expect... that much? Like, it looks like one of them's almost empty. Yeah, yeah. No, I, exactly. That's why I think it's something that's been used over a period of time and definitely not for, like, one day because that would just be extreme. Um, but, yeah. No, it's really cool and I like getting these little in- windows into the, like, process and into the daily life of someone working in the film industry. It's really cool. And is that a glass of Prosecco next to the makeup palette? It looks like one. <laughs> looks like it. Yeah. Last day celebrations. Yep. Classic. <laughs> um, yep. So that's all cool. Um, and yeah, it seems like everyone got nice gifts from the set as well. Um, John got an amazing blaster. <laughs> it's really, really cool. Um, from Kathy Kennedy. Um, which looks like his dream gift, to be honest. I can't imagine him being happy with anything else because John's just the best and he's so enthusiastic about everything Star Wars that it's like getting the real version of the toy you've always coveted since you were a kid. So I can only imagine that being fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, John is great at sharing things. Yeah, no, he's really handy, basically. Um, And yeah, Yunus Suwatamo, who plays Chewbacca, he posted up a picture of what he got, which was this adorable chewy plushie from the 70s, so from the era of the original trilogy. Oh, didn't he say that F Friday was his last day as well? Yes, I think he might have. Let me bring that up. I think he actually did. I think he was one of the ones that was confirmed. So Chewie was there till the end too. Interesting. So Ray, Kylo and Chewie, what are you doing? I would not be surprised if John was also involved. It's just it's not super clear from how he messaged it. Yeah. Ah, right, yeah. So this is Eunice's tweet, which is definitely worth reading. Yesterday was a wrap for me. A huge furry thank you to all the cast and crew of Star Wars Episode Nine. What a bittersweet thing it is to end this trilogy, this life-changing chapter of my life. And finally, thank you, J.J. Abrams, for giving me this opportunity <laughs> sorry i hope people will appreciate my reading <laughs> he's great and i think it was eunice and john who were like the two cast members confirmed at the rap party last night as well because yes. he was in one of john's videos and they were being very sweet and emotional together yeah 
No, they were. It was like typical, like drunken, emotional dudes. <laughs> I love you. Oh, I love you too. Not literally saying Aww. that, but just that that sort of vibe, and it's cute. I like it. Yeah, they'll all see each other again on the press door, so it'll be kind of nice for, to have that reunion. Yes, exactly. So it's really adorable. Um, but yeah, no, it's really nice. And yeah, on the subject of the rap party, it looks so incredibly wild. <laughs> I, I just can. It's so ridiculously over the top, everything I've seen from it. And hmm. I'm not sure whether to be appalled or charmed by what they did, basically. What's your verdict, Kirsty? Uh, <laughs> I think I'd like to go for something like that to be able to see the cast members. But in terms of actually like that being my kind of taste for a party, not really. <laughs> the first few videos we saw, they were doing like those terrible remixes of Star Wars music, which I can't stand. <laughs> Don't mess with perfection. But also, I mean, it was that... Uh, it's probably that early time of the night where everyone's just kind of awkwardly standing around and people haven't had enough to drink yet. Yeah. So there was yeah. so John much bad like dancing. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah. And I can't work out what the theme was meant to be. <laughs> it was not coherent at all. It was just, it was a bit of a mess. It looked like the robots have wandered into the enchanted forest. That was my mm. vibe. <laughs> Although then again, you get these sort of like, hunger games like sort of like bizarre like post-punk people as well carrying around the hors d'oeuvres and yeah it's just wild (laughs) and just the fact that there was a fawn at this event it's like why have you got like mr thomas (laughs) at your rap party i don't understand me neither it was just like let's just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks (laughs) and not much did yeah and I bet as long as people had a good time, that's what matters. Yeah. And I bet they were also very much like, let's make sure no one can read anything coherent into this whatsoever. Oh, yeah. There's no way they would have been like, oh, let's put it on theme for episode nine. I did read that they actually had a place in the basement with part of the set. So there presumably well. is a part that's like related no to photos allowed in there exactly yeah because we are not seeing that in these images i would have loved to have seen that but yeah it's not happening everyone was so drunk it's so funny there's like the classic clip of jj abrams and kathleen kennedy giving their speech to everyone and you mentioned to me earlier kirsty but it's just like why don't they do these speeches at the start when they can actually be coherent like office parties are all the same no matter whether you're in hollywood or <laughs> kind of reassuring to see that it's like oh it looks just as awkward yeah (laughs) it's my parties at work yeah it's very humanizing (laughs) it's like yeah kathy kennedy can also be a human disaster (laughs) oh i couldn't even work out from the video whether they were like a bit tipsy because i literally couldn't hear anything they were saying like the quality of the video i saw was that bad so i had no sense of anything i was like why am i even watching this yeah i know what kathleen kennedy and jj abrams look like <laughs> like they were both a bit slurry as far as i'm concerned but okay, um, well, I, I couldn't tell anything I, I literally couldn't discern any words or it was like that really fuzzy like someone's obviously recording it from the audience and like not yeah, yeah. very amateur so it's really funny um but yeah no bless them all um it's an exciting time for star wars and yeah, and I guess now, like you mentioned at the outset of the show, Kirsty, the big question is, is this it then? Is this what's going to kick off all the promotional stuff? Because we feel so starved. It's unprecedented to not even have a title at this point. So, yeah, you know yeah. what? I think there's a chance because um, the show in The Force Awakens on ABC tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, tonight. It's Sunday now. Yeah. Um, and they might do like an announcement for news coming tomorrow on gma or something like that yes so yeah we'll see like there's a chance because like we said with the force awakens it took a few days for them to announce something afterwards yeah but like it's done now so it might be safe for them to release something yeah i just think it's an interesting coincidence that they're showing the force awakens yeah no i agree could be wrong exactly we've also uh right yeah like the dream really is for me to wake up tomorrow and have like eight whatsapp messages from you telling me to wake up at like about 3 a.m my time oh i think 
I think the other way might be true, actually. You might know ahead of me, because if it's GMA, mm-hmm. it's like five or six in the morning, something stupid like that. Okay, right. Interesting. Maybe even earlier, actually, because I'm West Coast. Okay. So you probably know ahead of me. Yeah, right. In that case, you're probably going to wake up to have eight unread messages from me telling you to get up. So, yeah, we'll see <laughs> how it works. <laughs> um, but, yeah, in any event, I look forward to it because I want this storm to hit, essentially. I like the roller coaster it's fun yeah it is fun um we'll see how it goes this week with recording an episode because i'm going on vacation i'll be at disneyland monday and tuesday Woo! i'm so excited so, for you you're gonna have I'm a great time really excited yeah um hopefully meeting up with courtney from who talks first oh fabulous um yeah right okay so then we can move into the next news segment which is that force friday has been announced for october And this is from a press release on StarWars.com. Triple Force Friday, the latest in a tradition of StarWars product launches, (laughs) is set for October 4th. Lucasfilm and Disney announced today. The event will see the debut of brand new products inspired by three of the year's biggest StarWars releases, including the highly anticipated final instalment of the Skywalker saga, StarWars Episode Nine the first ever Star Wars live-action series, The Mandalorian, set to debut exclusively on the upcoming streaming service, Disney+. The latest title from EA and Respawn, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, a brand new action-adventure game releasing holiday 2019. Products spanning categories from toys to collectibles, housewares, books, apparel, and more will go on sale beginning at 12.01am on October 4th. As with past Force Friday celebrations, stores around the world will join the festivities with in-store events and midnight openings. Is that actually true? Because I think you've said in the past, you've asked about Force Friday in London and people haven't had any clue what you're talking about. Yeah, that has happened before. There are stores (laughs) that do Force Friday stuff, but the vast majority of them are like, what? So, yeah, it's not a universal thing. I think it's mostly an American thing. Yeah, no, exactly. I think most British people are like, what, what is this? Like, I don't agree with this crass commercialism. Like, <laughs> that's not true, really, because I went to the Disney store for the midnight launch of Force Friday in 2017. There were lots Okay, of so it's there. the Disney store that do it. Yeah, the Disney store do it. So that's quite reliable. And I think maybe John Lewis did it. Um, but don't huh. correct me on that. So... Yeah, like there are places that participate, but they're very selective and it's usually only the big flagship stores. So, yeah. Yeah, to be fair, that's probably the case here. I think it's like Target, Toys R Us, Walmart, that sort of thing. Yeah, rest in peace, Toys R Us. Oh, of course. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Don't worry. (laughs) Talking about a long Um, forgotten era. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's sad. Um, I'm going to be very selective about what merchandise I buy which going by historical precedent will probably mean I buy Rain Kylo and nothing else. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> Shock. No, like, and to be fair, I did also buy a really huge Last Jedi shopping bag, which is incredibly useful because I use it to put all my groceries in. So it's freaking massive. Um, mm. But yeah, you just need to be selective past a certain point. And it's like, I'm not even going to begin to touch the stuff for the Mandalorian and the video game. It's like, you just have to draw a line under it somewhere. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll wait until I actually watch The Mandalorian and see there are, if there are characters I love. Yes. But um, last year, I think I got Rose and Paige. Oh, nice. Cool. Um, yeah. I can't remember if I got any Ray and Kylo for The Last Jedi, actually. Yeah. I don't think I did. <gasps> yeah, I'll just see how it goes. I'm, I I like to look at the toys, but in terms of actually buying them, it's like, it, like you say, it can easily... You can just get carried away. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a collector, so I'm not like, I have to have the whole line like a lot of people are. Yeah. So. Sadly. And, it's, and it'll also be about the books for me. Like, if there's exciting new books releasing about that time leading into episode nine. Yeah, the books are different. Yeah. yeah. Then I'll definitely be interested. But And you know what? Um, I'm not saying that I would never, because the thing is, when I looked at the new costumes, I was like, oh, if, if Ray had been wearing something drastically different, I might have been tempted. Yes. But it's kind of on an evolution of what's come before. Yeah. 
which which makes sense but it's like oh if she'd been wearing like a new dress or like a bright color or something surprising i'd have been like oh i think i might have to have that yeah i do hope that she has at least one substantial costume change in the movie oh i'm sure she will yeah because they need something to make a new toy out of because i think a majority of people buying these toys they're gonna think along those lines they're gonna be like do i really want a ray that's marginally different from the force awakens ray i already own which is Mm. a reasonable thing so yeah they're gonna have to create some sort of incentive for why you'd want that figure yeah and then the next news is that the emperor himself is coming to star wars celebration would you like to read the story out, Kirsty? Uh, sure. I'm probably not going to read the whole thing. Yeah, sure. Because I think the first paragraph pretty much says it. Yeah. Um, Ian McDermott, the actor who unforgettably played the galactic mastermind behind the rise of the Empire, transforming from the manipulative, scheming senator from Naboo into the ghastly, cloaked figure of Darth Sidious, will join fans at Star Wars Celebration in Chicago this spring. Um, oh, and it also says that he'll be joined by Brian Herring who's half of the puppeteering team who operated BB-8. Yeah, as well as Mark Dodson, who voiced um, Salacious Oh, of course. Very important. The best character. Yeah, that is a great noise that Salacious B. Crumb produces, to be fair. Is it like, um, is he the one who goes like... (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's like the little monkey alien. Yeah, no, he's great. I love him. Ian McDermott is the main news here. And it's pretty exciting news because he's wicked. In all senses of the word. It's wicked cool. He was really great on the, the panel that I saw last time, the 40th anniversary one. Oh, amazing. Where they brought out Aiden as well. So Yeah, I forgot he went to that. Yeah, he's very enthusiastic. And <laughs> he was like doing lines for the audience and that kind of thing. <laughs> so he goes all in. Yeah. No, he's really great at working a crowd, I think. So... Yeah, like I'm really looking forward to it and hopefully I'll be able to get, hopefully we'll be able to get into a talk with him because, yeah, I'd love to see him speak in person. Mm-hmm. Didn't you say that he's been the one so far that you're actually tempted to pay to meet as well? <sighs> tempted, yeah. I think I'll do it <laughs> as like a group thing. But the problem is I think they've already put on sale the meet and greets and the autographs for people like Ian McDermott. So I'm sure it's he's probably already sold out. But the thing is, uh, maybe I wouldn't want to book anything of that nature until i know the schedule because i do not want to book something like that and then have that be a time when i'd need to be either in a panel or need to be queuing for a panel i just that's don't want the to take problem that risk. yeah no one wants to commit to anything but they're taking their time with the schedule so yeah like i'm a bit worried for all the podcasters who are going to be assigned slots at that stage and not really have a say for when they're doing it yeah oh man like, how gutting would it be if you were on during like the episode nine panel oh god (laughs) that would be the literal worst (laughs) so i get the impression as well that you're not given any choice in that oh no you're not you're assigned it and then i mean i guess you could pull out but that would be such a shame yeah and they wouldn't be happy with you no they wouldn't but it's the way that they do it it's a strange order yeah no it's a bit brutal and I, i don't think they should have anything going on while episode nine's on because it's clear that that's what most people will be interested in yeah it's like come on like what weirdos would do not want to go to that i'm sorry yeah just just show the panel on a screen in every room in the convention center yeah because lots of people won't be able to get in i don't know how many depending on how big that stadium room is but yeah yeah so exciting and it's also really unfair to whoever might be podcasting at that time because realistically how many people are going to choose to go in and see a podcast at that point I know, yeah, so their audience gets affected. Yeah, so it's not nice, but yeah. Fingers crossed it's all well run and everything. Uh, yeah, and then um, we just want to discuss this quickly, but there is a initial excerpt that has been released from Claudia Gray's book, Master and Apprentice. Um, so yeah, we're not going to read out the excerpt, it's very long, <laughs> and we'd be here for like 10 minutes just reading it out. Um, but yeah, what did you make of this first look at Master and Apprentice, Kirsty? I enjoyed it. Um, it was more interesting than I'd previously thought, like getting an insight into Qui-Gon's um, like, actual perspective on the council and things. Because obviously we get a hint of that in The Phantom Menace, but it's very different like when actually you're in someone's mind yeah. as, they're, as they're reacting to things. Um, Yoda is annoying as ever. <laughs> yeah, he's an ass. 
<laughs> like just from the way the council is described in an excerpt like that, I just look at it and I'm kind of like, why would anyone want to be on this? I know. <laughs> I don't want to be on your stupid, pompous council. <laughs> they just all seem like they're having the worst time and they seem so boring. I mean, it's interesting because, of course, we know that Qui-Gon will actually turn it down. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting about the excerpt is that they make it clear that if he accepts the position, it means that um, Obi-Wan would be reassigned to a different master because yeah. it's very rare for someone to sit on the council and have a Padawan. Yeah. So, obviously, we know that doesn't happen because of what happens with the Phantom Menace. Yeah. I also find it interesting how it went into the fact that Qui-Gon is struggling with Obi-Wan as his apprentice and yeah. like how different Obi-Wan is from himself because again that's something that's explored a bit in Phantom Menace but it's not like it's that clearly articulated and yeah so it made me more excited to see that be one of the main through lines in this book um, because yeah I think it'll be a big point of emphasis and yeah like it's just intriguing. It's like Qui-Gon, he almost strikes me as this sort of like biblical figure, like a follower of Christ or something like that in terms of just this absolute faith and this insistence on diverting from the norms that surround him at the time. Like he's this real like rebel and he's like trying to like negotiate his own path through the force and he recognises all the challenges that come with that and the fact it probably makes him a bit unsuitable a as a master and b as a candidate for this council so well that's the thing because yeah. the council itself seems to be like this bureaucratic entity that's at odds with what how we would understand the force and that's something that comes through in the prequels themselves right yes and I, yeah like i think you're right to an extent like qui-gon is considered a rebel but i don't think he think himself it that way because it's like he's just following his path he's not trying to rebel for the sake of it yeah it's not trying to create issues for people, but it's like, well, I have to do what I believe is right. Yeah. No, you're right. It's, he's not like a shit stirrer or something. <laughs> <laughs> he's not like, you're like, get a cruise travel. It's going to be really fun. Um, it's more that he, yeah, like he feels like he needs to trust in his relationship with the force first and foremost. And that isn't necessarily what's been happening because, yeah, it has become so mired in the bureaucracy and the tradition of what's been happening for the longest time and yeah Qui-Gon's like a rebel in that he doesn't want to just do things just because he feels like he has to have some sort of inspired reason behind it mm-hmm. is this book still being released during celebration to my knowledge yeah it's coming out okay. April cool yeah I look forward to it it's very well written yeah no definitely as you'd expect from Claudia but yeah it's going to be a good read and then we can move on to our weekly resistance discussion. And the latest episode of Resistance is called The New Trooper. Would you like to read out the synopsis for this episode, Kirsty? Sure. Kel and Elia seek out Kaz's aid involving a stormtrooper they knocked out. To avoid the stormtrooper being missed, Kaz takes his armour and infiltrates the First Order, learning that First Order is plotting a full-scale takeover of the Colossus. He manages to escape with a data rod from Commander Pyre's shuttle and return his armour to its owner before the stormtroopers can catch him. Upon returning to Yiga, they discover that the First Order is amassing a large fleet and intend to use the Colossus as a resupply station. So yeah, this continues the trajectory of getting a really good run of episodes that are very heavily built into the season arc because, yeah, this episode is really important to understand what is being built towards with resistance and what the first order is actually doing in being so interested in the colossus so yeah i thought it was really well done i enjoyed this episode a lot mm -hmm, me too it made me feel sad for finn all over again yeah oh my god the way they were talking about the reconditioning process it sounded oh, it's so horrible grim. the way the words like brain wipe yeah a scrape Ooh. ew yeah, she never got the impression it was that barbaric and extreme under the Empire because the dudes under the Empire were just recruits. And I, I'm sure there were punishments and there was discipline and everything, but the troopers under the Forced Order, they're clearly so dehumanised that they're not treated like autonomous individuals at all. And yeah, it's quite terrifying. Like, like one of the things that... <laughs> 
like it both amused me and appalled me was the poor stormtrooper at the center of this whole episode because the shit he is made to go through is just beyond belief it's just a complete joke how much he has dealt like he's constantly hit over the head and like just shoved into corners and verbally abused and everything under the sun at the end through no fault of his own really he sent off for reconditioning because Kaz acted in such a weird way that they think that the stormtrooper is completely gone bonkers yeah Um, I was kind of hoping that Kaz would have more compassion for the troopers (laughs) yes like it should be clear if you're talking about wipes and scrapes like brainwashing and torture effectively yeah and we, we don't know the details but it can't be pleasant if he's hearing that that's what's going to happen to this trooper shouldn't he feel sorry for him like they're clearly not there by choice yeah maybe he doesn't know that maybe i mean i guess they wouldn't but maybe he's thinking that it's like the empire that they are recruits but no these people were indoctrinated from birth yeah hopefully that will make a future arc for the show yeah and kaz was just being kaz so just seemingly (laughs) i'm gonna be a bit harsh on kaz this week because he was like incapable of acting professionally and being careful of the kind of way he would phrase things so it was clearly like something's wrong with this dude he's not acting like a stormtrooper yeah he wasn't using very casual language and the way he's moving isn't like marching you know it was like oh cool so the guy who you've knocked out is going to suffer the consequences of this yeah no there were troubling moral implications to what was happening in this episode essentially Mm. i thought it was really interesting what was going on with tam because it kind of continued what we've seen from her before in earlier episodes that she thinks the first order are there to protect people that they're a force for good um and obviously when she hears from the children from Tahar, like telling her oh actually you know our village was destroyed she's she's still like well maybe they had their reasons yeah she goes a little <laughs> she's bit like, quiet and then she basically makes excuses for them <laughs> it's like she's a kylo ren apologist yeah she's the ultimate kylo he had his reasons for killing all your family right <laughs> he had his reasons <laughs> like mm, maybe sit down and think about that cat her tam yeah what what would tab's tumbler handle be well this is the thing i think she's going through that process of realizing that it's not quite as comforting as she first thought yes definitely so, so. yeah she's getting a real trajectory which i like to see and i think yeah. we're absolutely heading towards an episode where her relationship with the first order will come to a real head and yeah we'll see shit hit the fan for tam i think Mm -hmm. it should be fun to see um yeah um and with the children from tahar themselves again they are surprisingly recurring like they are quite crucial to the narrative so i definitely think we're going to learn more about their planet and the reasons for what happened on their planet as well yeah i almost thought that they were going to accidentally use the force or something with the stormtrooper yeah i would have liked that because of because of how they teased that earlier with like the dreams and visions but didn't go that way so i'm wondering if anything will actually come of that yeah no like i'll feel a bit cheated if it doesn't but there's plenty of other stuff to care about and resistance so that's the thing it's always possible that we we read too much into a line and it's not actually what the creators intended so yeah no that's true um yeah and you made a really good point earlier about dozer and a little line about him yeah so obviously commander pie is like strutting around his office as if he owns it and he has to remind him that he doesn't although poor dozer i feel like the more he insists that the platform is his the less certain he sounds it's like becoming increasingly desperate yeah um and then they see the imperial uniform in his closet um and he essentially says yeah you wouldn't understand Mm. why i chose to leave um and we know that Tora's mother was a pilot for the New Republic. Yes, which is a really so, interesting tidbit. And do you know where that comes from, that information? I think it was just in an earlier episode, wasn't it? No, it looks like it came in Women of the Galaxy. So there's a surprising oh, okay. number of little tidbits of information in that book that are actually quite important. Because if you think about it, Tora's mum being a rebellion pilot... 
and her dad being this imperial officer that really goes for like star-crossed romance like love across the enemy lines territory which i love and if that information was available to amy while she was writing that means that there's probably something already in the works with that story yes absolutely because otherwise it's like you wouldn't have access to that to include it yeah so there's some development going on there no you're right i think that's probably coming up like this season i'd expect because they're really seeding all the ingredients that you need for it because they have referenced Tora's mum being a pilot before but i don't think it was specified that she was a rebel alliance pilot oh okay i guess i just kind of assumed that yeah that was all very close so it makes sense yeah is there anything else you'd like to say about the episode um well full disclosure i watched it like a week ago so (laughs) my memory of it is not the best yes usually i have time to watch them again but i didn't just trying to think. I guess at the end, there's that clip that we saw from last week when they were doing the promo that um, Kaz brings the data rod to Yeager and then it's like, oh, look, they're clearly amassing this huge fleet and they've decided to use the Colossus as a resource. So this is a very smart st- strategic point for them. Yes. And that means that they're not going to let it go. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's going to be a battle for the Colossus coming up, basically. I think that's safe mm-hmm. to say. Um and yeah, did you see the clip from the following episode of Resistance with Poe? Yes. Yeah. So we're we're coming up on the TFA timeline. Yeah. It's so, so close. He comes back to get BB-8. Yeah. It's come up sooner than I thought it would. Um, because I really thought that they would be holding it off for a little while at least. Like perhaps until like the penultimate episode or something. Then the final episode you get the destruction of Hosnian Prime. But now I can only Mm. think that we're going to see quite a bit of the aftermath of that event as well, which is really exciting because, yeah, then you're crossing over into the Last Jedi territory. Yeah, I I guess. It's still not clear to me how many days passed during the events of The Force Awakens because, like, Rey leaves Jakku. That's the day after um, Law Santeca is killed, right? Yes. Like, she meets Finn when he runs away and then... They leave, go to Takadana. That's all like the same day. She gets captured by Kylo the same day. Yeah. Um, Maybe she's on Stalkiller overnight. So then that's like two days. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that passage of time works with Resistance. Yeah. No. Like, so it's really getting into the end game now. Um, yeah. And Poe's obviously taking BB-8 away. So yeah, no more BB-8 and Resistance. So sad times. Aww. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure CB23 will be great. Yeah, too. definitely. I, I just need to remember CB23, CB23, CB23. <laughs> Must remember Droid's name. Uh, yeah, but I'll manage. Um, great. Okay, so then I think that's all the non-spoilery news out of the way. So we do have one final spoiler section, which is going to be much shorter than last week's spoiler section because that was quite momentous. Um, yeah, this basically builds a bit on what JJ posted on Twitter. So the shot of Ray, Finn and Poe. And yeah, I'd say you should definitely stop here if you're not interested in spoilers. Um, although most of these are kind of speculative stuff. So it's not like super red hot spoilers, but they're still significant. So yeah, here is the spoiler siren. I shouldn't. do it okay cool um Kirsty, with this i was thinking of perhaps reading out the points paragraph by paragraph because i was thinking that they're quite discreet yeah it's very yeah there's lots of different ideas going on here yeah so it would just be a complete jumble if we tried to talk about everything at once so we won't okay. do that uh right okay would you like to read out the first paragraph sure so this is from making star wars um, the title is Star Wars Episode Nine Wraps, and we have some clarification on various rumours. Um, Ray's hair is in the style above, from the photo that JJ posted, because it has to match older footage of Ray that was shot with Carrie for The Force Awakens. The details of the sequence are not being talked about at this time, however. Mm. So this is interesting, because obviously it's not the same hairstyle as we talked about earlier. Yes. It's similar, but it must be similar enough that for whatever footage they have, it's not going to be too noticeable. Like maybe you see Ray from the front and therefore it doesn't really matter how it looks in the back. Yeah. That kind of thing. And I'm sure they could also do like minor adjustments to it with CGI to make it look the same to what is in episode nine. Right. 
So yeah, that definitely won't be out of reach. I'm so intrigued by this though, because... I know, I'm just, I don't know how it's going to work, but they must have figured it out. It's like she'll be at a different aspect of her character development at that point. Yeah, because there is a scene where Leia and Rey are talking to one another just before Rey goes off in the Falcon to find Luke at the end of The Force Awakens. Oh, you mean like from the novelization? Yes, from the novelization. But I actually went and read that exchange between Leia and Rey again. And I just don't see how it could be repurposed for Nine because it's all this stuff like I'm so proud of what you're doing and you won't become like my son and all this sort of thing. And yeah, it's a bit like you were saying, Kirsty, all that dialogue seems so matched to who Ray was in The Force Awakens. That I don't see how it would work for Nine. I assume that they're going to do certain things to change it and edit it a lot and perhaps have someone come in to alter a few lines and things for Leia, you know, when you don't see her lip moving, perhaps. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just also, like, dubious to me. You know, I really need to see it and be convinced by it because it's such a strange idea in the abstract. Yeah. I mean, whatever it is, I have faith that it's going to work because I don't think they would do it otherwise. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... I can see certain things from that conversation working, like linking Ray and Kylo together mm. and saying that she won't share his fate. I think that could be... It would just have a different connotation at this point in the story. Mm. Like, maybe part of it is that Ray actually chooses to confide in Leia about what happened on the Supremacy because maybe of all people she might understand or maybe it's that she's choosing to keep it secret from her. Yeah. Maybe Leia senses something in the Force that she doesn't quite let on to Ray. Yeah, that would be interesting. I'd like to see something like that. So, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, Right. Okay, and then would you care to move on to the second paragraph? Sure. Sources believe the first trailer will be different than the one shown to the crew around Christmas of 2018. That trailer showed a bit more than you would think they would want to share at this moment, but didn't delve into the plot at all. Everyone says it was so good, <laughs> and it was apparently scored using only Star Wars Episode Nine footage, so we might have a shot at seeing it at some point. I'm not sure what he means by using scored using only. Um, yeah, because I thought he meant that he was going to go into like the talking about the actual score, the music. Yeah, but... no, that's what I thought as well. I'm not sure what's meant by that. Um, but yeah, that doesn't surprise me, because I think you'd be showing crew members something very different from what you'd show the general public. Because the crew members are going to have a bit more of a sense of what's going on. I doubt that every Joe working on the film knows the entire plot. But they're going to have a sense for the environments and what things are looking like and stuff. So you'd want to display that to them. Whereas you're going to want to parcel things out very slowly for the general audience. Yeah, it would obviously have a very different purpose. To us, they're trying to sell something. Um... So yeah, I just wonder with this, is like, is this being included for a reason? Does Jason think that something's coming quite soon? Mm, yeah. I think now that they've wrapped, it becomes much, much more plausible that we are going to get something. But mm. the the safe bet is obviously still on Celebration, because I'll eat my sock if we don't get anything at Celebration. Um, I'd be very angry. Um, oh yeah, people would riot if there was nothing at Celebration. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, it's going to be interesting with the state of leaks and that because it's after a film wraps and the team then go on to do other things that they feel a bit safer maybe sharing things. Yeah. So if they don't release anything soon, Mm. um, even just the title to give people something to chew over, I think that's when we get into the danger zone of like people might be more willing to divulge information. Yeah. Because they're not going to be fired at that point. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They might get blacklisted if they figure out who it is, but... The job is done. Maybe someone on the verge yeah. of retirement. I <laughs> <laughs> can blacklist all me all you want. I don't care. <laughs> um, yeah, my bet is that if we do get a trailer before Celebration, I think it would be something that's heavily leaning into this idea that it's the final chapter in the Skywalker saga. So yeah, I think it would show us very little about the actual story. Yeah, I think that we'd get like literal like a few seconds each from every movie up until episode eight, and then like one climactic shot from episode nine that's really thrilling and intoxicating, and then the title. Like that would be my bet, but mm. yeah, we'll have to see. I would want that very much. Maybe that's why Jason's drawing a distinction and saying the ones that the crew showed 
were shown was only episode nine footage whereas we, we might get one that like you say spans the trilogies and kind of connects them in a way yeah that's a good point i expect that's maybe what he was going for like despite it being a bit unclear in the execution hmm. um right awesome yeah and then the next paragraph please thank you for helping me <laughs> the reading it's okay <laughs> In terms of that new trooper from Nine, so this was kind of based on uh, a spoiler report that we read out last week, that there were lots of like new red troopers. Um, there are over 50 of them. However, they are not being called Sith troopers by anyone from Pinewood, because that's the name that he reported last week. That language apparently was picked up or appropriated by others as a synonym for bad guys. Those troopers do only answer to Kylo and the Knights of Ren. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. That's what I'd expect. I'd be very shocked if they were called Sith Troopers. That would just make no sense, basically. Yeah, because Kylo isn't one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a pet peeve of mine when you read articles that still call him a Sith. It's like, come on. Yeah, please. They actually emphasise in the story that he does not follow that philosophy. Yeah. So. The Kylo is Sith line is so, like, pre-TFA, <laughs> like, so 2015. It's like, please, we're in literally in a different era now. <laughs> just stop. Mm. Um, but yeah I'm glad to see this clarification because it would have just been so monumentally dumb and it's like beyond Kylo not being a Sith it's like what are you even going for do you mean like all these like troopers are going to kill each other until there's only two left (laughs) (laughs) it's going to be gladiator style combat (laughs) it's like only two there will be (laughs) Mm, I do think it's interesting that these troopers only answer to Kylo and the Knights of Ren because that's like oh so they're not going to answer to Hux yes exactly that has to play into that there has to be some factions going on yeah i think if there's going to be a civil war slash slash rift then it's going to be kylo and the knights of ren and these dudes against the military of the first order i think that's probably going to be what's going on Mm -hmm. interesting yeah with potential for splinters within splinters so kylo's group splintering within itself and then the first order splintering within itself. But we're going to have to see. I think there's lots of right potential. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Then next paragraph, please. The MacGuffin is controversial as an idea. So last week again. Sorry. I feel like I have to contextualize these. Um, last week he'd reported that there was a MacGuffin within the movie that everyone's, everyone, first order and resistance side are looking for. But... We don't know what it is yet. But yes, it's considered controversial. Um, However, sources say that's not the case in execution. They have also said that the MacGuffin actually evolves as the story progresses. So we apparently won't begin the film with everyone searching for something right off the bat. In theory, that is an interesting way to start a Star Wars film with what we know about the movie so far. (laughs) Which is very little. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it, the part that's most intriguing is that it's considered controversial because I think the, the narrative so far in terms of what people expect from JJ is that he'll play it safe compared to Ryan, mm. um, who, you know, they were kind of teasing things earlier on and this continued through the marketing. I think very early on you had Lawrence Kasdan and, and JJ praising the script and saying that Ryan was doing some really wild things, mm. um, but that they were great. Yeah. And then, of course, in the actual marketing, you get Luke Skywalker, that this is not going to go the way you think, yeah. and all that. So I, I'm i very encouraged by this, because I don't want JJ to play it particularly safe. Yeah, definitely. It seems like he's going to be bold. So, yeah, I'm reassured by the sounds of that. Like, And I also like this idea of it evolving over the course of the film, because I think that suggests a more dynamic story. So I think you can have like a perfectly good and strong film where it is literally about a quest for one thing. But I think the this idea of evolution it suggests like evolving characters and evolving understandings of what's going on and what's at stake. And I like that. It feels like it adds more complexity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if people are searching for the same thing, they'll have different le- levels of information and understanding. So... That'd be interesting from an audience perspective to watch those various parties. Exactly. Right, and then we have one final paragraph. Sources have been pretty tight-lipped about Matt Smith, but I have also heard that the rumours he's a Knight of Ren are incorrect. Sources also do not believe they are female, or at least all of them are female. However, that rumour, if rooted in truth, may have sprang forth because some stunt performers for the Knights of Ren were women. 
They also say that threat in the film is not the Knights of Ren. So the idea they come from the beyond, another threat, was not a good guess. There is still a threat from the beyond, we can check them off the list. So this is interesting, because that's quite different from what he'd first speculated. Yeah, definitely. And this is probably the juiciest thing in this report, I'd say. And there's quite a lot to unpack, despite it being quite a short paragraph. Um, Yeah, so Matt Smith becomes more and more intriguing by the day in terms of who he is playing, because it definitely seems like he is going to be a really pivotal character. And I think he's going to be kept very, very secret. I'm not sure we're ever going to be told who he is in advance of the film coming out, to be honest. I don't... (laughs) I don't want to jump to him being pivotal because Star Wars has a history of having these big, big names play actual quite tiny parts. Yeah. So it's possible, but he could also just have like a glorified cameo. We don't know. Yeah. No, it's true. I I think I'm kind of basing that on this idea that there's a threat from the beyond. And I'd presume that that threat has to have some sort of face to it. It could be Kerry. It could be Kerry Russell. Could be Kerry Russell, which would be very interesting. But in my heart, I still want her to be a Knight of Red. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's possible. Because if if we have a female, at least one female stunt performer for the Knights of Ren, she's amazing with action sequences. Yeah. Like, she's really impressive on the Americans. Yeah, and that's one of the very few concrete things we know about Kerry's part, is that she was hired to do, like, an action-heavy role, which you'd imagine would fit for a Knight of Ren. Um, but again, there's any number of other roles she could be playing, including some figure from the beyond. Um, but yeah, I think it's safe to say that if some of the Knights of Ren are being played by female stunt performers, I think those characters are probably female, because I'm not sure why you'd use female stunt performers to play male characters. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on their appearance. Yeah. You know, but yeah. It, it would be, it's it's rational to then jump to thinking that that means that they're going to be female. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I don't like imagine that they're going to be like in pink robes with like ribbons. <laughs> I mean, I, I wonder if this is just getting mixed up in what people have said that they want, because it's been a popular idea, at least in the Raylo fandom, mm. I've noticed, for yes. people to be like, oh, wouldn't it be awesome if all the Knights of Ren were women? <laughs> yeah. Because we're so starved of female characters on the dark side yeah like no it's true phasma was it so it wouldn't it be cool if it was like an all-female team yeah they kind of have but new I don't scenes think... of phasma in the sequels uh yeah because like he was on jakku with her and gave her the order to kill them all and when they were talking to hux about finn okay yeah you're right but like nothing like hugely like emotionally significant <laughs> or anything obviously yeah because i was thinking phasma is literally the only female character kyla has ever interacted with apart from ray yeah shocking i mean how many female characters has ray interacted with so far <laughs> you can count them all yes hand. that is a sore point for me and i will continue to bring it up yeah no you as you should as you should Hopefully episode nine will improve on that front. I say hope, but have to have hope. We can all believe in hope. It would be really weird if Ray and Rose didn't interact. (laughs) They could do like a whole thing like it's like the end of TFA where Ray and Poe are in the same room, but they never actually speak. (laughs) So awkward. (laughs) Um, So yeah, this is really interesting and only increases my interest in the the Knights of Ren because it's very very mysterious yeah definitely (laughs) like my crack theory about this threat from the beyond is like did you watch any of like the director video Disney sequels when you were a kid Kirsty uh yeah but which one are you talking about (laughs) well specifically the little mermaid too uh I think so I don't remember it though (laughs) okay oh no isn't that the one with the um seahorse I can't remember the seahorse I'm afraid Oh, maybe I'm making that up. What I do remember from Little Mermaid 2 is that the villain is Ursula's sister. <laughs> oh, And there's literally okay. Sebastian. And looking on as Ursula's sister rises up from the ocean. And he's like, look, it's Ursula's crazy sister. Oh my god. <laughs> maybe in the beyond, there's like Snoke's like aggrieved sibling. And they come out from the beyond to get revenge on Kylo and Rey for killing... Like, they're big brothers. <laughs> okay. 
I think I must have completely made up this seahorse character because... <laughs> oh, no, wait. No, I haven't. Was there like a TV show? Oh, there um, was a Little, Mermaid, Little Mermaid, Mermaid TV show. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what I'm thinking of. That. I'm thinking of Stormy, the wild seahorse. <gasps> oh, my God. Magical memories. <laughs> <laughs> I must have missed the sequel because I don't, I don't remember. Oh, sad times. Ursula's sister. Yeah. Well, it's basically like a common theme in these sort of like cheap and nasty like Disney director video sequels. So yeah, like in all seriousness, I don't for a minute think that's what's happening, but it would just amuse me no end. <laughs> like <laughs> Snoke's brother. Oh God. <laughs> My big brother Snoke. <laughs> Remember when we used to play baseball together? <laughs> now he's gone. Yeah, and he's here to avenge him. <laughs> oh my God, that'd be so funny. Um, or at least it'd be funny to me most rational people would be horrified um, but yeah to be serious again I definitely agree that this is really intriguing stuff and I'm really looking forward to what they use the beyond for because I feel like that's been hinted at for so long as being this place of importance and the fact that there's lots of crazy interesting shit going on there and it- yeah but only outside the movie so i'm really interested to see how they introduce that to the general audience yeah exactly that's what i was thinking because it's always been there in the wider canon but it's never really been emphasized in the films or anything so yeah they haven't yeah. even had like a throwaway line about it or anything have they yeah exactly so they're gonna have to do quite mm. a good job of selling it to people i think yeah but yeah yeah, watch the space, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no. As always. Exactly. It's exciting stuff. So thank you, everyone. It was another fun show. And I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. I'm Rachel. And you can find me at Stars Nonsense on Tumblr and at Journal of the Star Wars on WordPress. Where can people find you, Kirsty? I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening and until next time. Bye. Bye.